0: You have not asked me that question.
1: Okay, because I think about that question a lot.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Talk, Talk, Vote. So, Rachel, I was wondering the other day, how exactly does Congress work? It's a great question, Anne.
1: Well, thank you. So the first thing to know is that the U.S. Congress is made up of two chambers, the House of Representatives and the Senate. The House of Representatives is made up of 435 elected members that are divided among the 50 states in proportion to their population. In addition to those 435 people, there are six non-voting members, and those people represent the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, American Samoa, Guam, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and the Commonwealth of Northern Mariana Islands. The person who leads the House is called the Speaker of the House, and they are elected by all of the representatives. And the Speaker of the House is actually third in the line of succession to the presidency.
0: Ooh, that's a big job. It
1: is, yes. The Senate, on the other hand, is composed of 100 senators, two for each state the Senate doesn't have any non-voting members. The vice president of the United States serves as the president of the Senate and only votes if there's a tie in the Senate.
0: So the vice president is sort of the 101st member of the Senate because the vice president is not counted among the two from each state. Correct. And- the House of Representatives, we sort of loosely call that Congress, right? You hear in the news, Congress and the Senate, but the whole thing is technically is Congress. Yes. But when we say less formally Congress, we mean the House of Representatives.
1: Yes. Most often that is what people are referring to. They're, they never mean just the Senate when they say Congress, but technically they should talk about the House and the Senate, but they don't. Another little piece of information is that the term of Congress runs from each odd-numbered year to the next odd-numbered year. So for example, the 100th Congress ran from January 3rd, 1987 through January 3rd, 1989. I say, hmm, two January 3rds. January 3rd is the traditional date when the new session of Congress convenes. Congress has developed a a committee system to make considering the hugely wide array of different topics of bills that they have to consider easier. So each House of Congress has a number of standing or permanent committees and select or special temporary committees. And together, the two chambers can form joint committees to consider subjects that they have commonly in interest. Because no act of Congress is considered valid unless both chambers vote to approve an identical bill, there are sometimes conference committees, which are formed of both House of Representatives people and Senate people to adjudicate any sort of disputes that they have over the final wording of the bill. So you might be wondering, why are there these two different chambers? Why don't we just have one group of people? So the U.S. Congress didn't actually start out as what is called bicameral, bi meaning two, and camera is the Latin word that means chamber. So the first iteration of our country under the Articles of Confederation had just a single house. But then with our new constitution, that split Congress into the House and the Senate as a compromise because large states who had higher populations wanted their representation to be tied to population. But the small states who didn't have as high populations didn't want to just get run over by all the big states so rather than just pick one or the other either equal representation per state or equal representation by population they made two houses so bicameral legislatures are intended to provide representation at the federal level for both individual citizens of the country as well as the legislative bodies of a country's states that's the thing that
0: yeah you just pulled me too
1: So, in fact, in the U.S., until the ratification of the 17th Amendment in 1913, senators were chosen by state legislatures, not by popular vote. Since then, they've all been elected by popular vote. But the original structure was to give the state legislatures representation at the federal level.
0: So is this a system, this bicameral system representing both the individual and the state? Is that a system that exists somewhere else? Did oh my we... God, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> did we copy that? Did we invent it and other people copied?
1: We did not invent it. There are currently about 41% of governments worldwide that have bicameral legislatures, and about 59% employ different kinds of unicameral legislatures. So some countries with bicameral legislatures include Australia, Brazil, India, the United Kingdom, who we definitely would have probably emulated, the Netherlands, Russia, and Spain. Unicameral legislatures started to get more popular in the 20th century. Some countries that have more recently adopted that are countries like Greece, New Zealand,
0: and Peru. So have we always had the same number of representatives from the beginning to now? We have not.
1: So the size of the house, when it was first established, had 65 seats.
0: Hmm.
1: And the... Wait,
0: 65 seats? Yes. And we have 430 now? 435.
1: hundred and That's forget what I meant. Five. 435? <laughs> I knew that. Do you want to say it again? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we only had 65 The way that Congress allocated the number of seats was based on population proportion. So for a little bit over a century, every 10 years after the census was taken, there would be additional representatives added to Congress. And that growth plateaued after the 1920 census, when for the first time in its history, Congress did not pass a new law about how to use the results of the census to reshape the house.
0: So did they do that because they were feeling like they were too crowded in the place where they go to vote? <laughs> the the chamber? Yeah. Did they do that because they were running out of chairs in the chamber? quite frankly, that is one of the reasons that they gave. Like the leaders
1: didn't want to pay for more office space or pay to try to expand Congress and pay for more congressional members and more staffs and more clerks. They also felt that it would just get kind of unwieldy and be incapable of being a deliberative body if it got too much bigger.
0: That seems reasonable to me. You know, you can only squeeze so many people on an airplane before it's just uh, you can't put any more on. The sardines. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing about that, like I, I have to say,
1: yeah, I completely agree that I think if we were to just keep increasing, it would get unwieldy. But a 100 years ago, when the House of Representatives stopped growing its numbers, there was one member for about every 200,000 people. And today there's one member for about every 700,000 people. So you feel slightly less connected to your representative.
0: Well, maybe the solution then, since we can't grow Congress, is to shrink the U.S. I like it. Okay, so we hear about Congress all the time and everybody's grumpy with them, but uh, what do they actually do? Why are we so mad? What is their purpose? That is
1: a great question. Among the express powers granted to Congress by the Constitution are the power to collect taxes, to borrow money, to regulate commerce, to print money, declare war, raise armies, and make laws necessary to help it do those jobs.
0: Well, that explains why everybody's grumpy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, none of those are real popular. Yeah, They're
0: necessary, though. We really need rules. You know, if we don't have stoplights, everybody crashes. It's true.
1: One interesting thing about the split of having these two houses is that they have sort of different areas where they specialize, and they also have different powers to some extent. So, for example, only the House is allowed to pass an article of impeachment against an official, but it's the Senate's job to actually have the trial for that impeached official. And it can't go the other way. Then more generally, the House tends to focus more on internal matters, particularly money, while the Senate focuses more of its energy on foreign policy.
0: All right. That was so interesting. I definitely learned
1: some things researching this.
0: Yeah. And we're supposed to know more than the average bear. There's a lot to know.
1: Yeah. I think I know more about uni versus bicameral legislatures than the average bear but
0: i haven't talked to one recently well well you got to get out that's that's what your generation has to get out more touch grass (laughs) talk to bears do you want to hear some trivia about our bicameral legislature yes i do Okay, so you know you talked about Congress having the purse strings and mostly doing money stuff. Do you know how much they originally were going to pay George Washington?
1: Let's see. It was the olden
0: days.
1: Okay, they pre- they really liked George Washington, so I think they wanted to pay him a lot of money. Okay, they were going to pay him.
0: I'll be like, so impressed if you nail it.
1: Seventy-two thousand three hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, no, not even close. Twenty-five thousand dollars a year
1: wow
0: yeah and you know what he did turned it down wow but then later he took it because he said he didn't want the presidency to be restricted to wealthy people so he turned it down at first because he was like i want to be a public servant and i want to maintain that image of being a public servant and then he said oh oh this shouldn't be only for rich people did you know that the state of idaho has a meaningless name idaho doesn't mean anything
1: I did not know that.
0: Lobbyists convinced Congress that the word Idaho was a Shoshone word for gem of the mountains, but it wasn't. They were just salesmen and they convinced Congress. So in 1860, when Colorado needed a name, there was a mining lobbyist named George M. Willing, and he suggested Idaho to Congress. And he's the one that said, it means gem of the mountain. They said, Well, no, we're going to name it Colorado. So they named it Colorado. But then later, when it was time for another state, they resuggested it. They said, Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Wait, so did Mr. Willing
1: know that this was fabricated?
0: Yeah, yeah he did.
1: Yeah. I love that. People have been trolling the United States Congress uh-huh. for
0: centuries. Yeah, they have. <laughs> Did you know that the United States Capitol has its own subway system underneath the Capitol that just goes from...
1: You mean separate from the Washington, D.C. metro system? I
0: do mean separate from the Washington, D.C. subway system. It doesn't even look like a subway system. It looks like these little like golf carts, but they're on tracks. And it's kind of hilarious looking. It just goes from building to building underneath the whole Capitol complex. It started off as an underground road. Then they made it into a subway system. And when they first made it into a subway system, which was in 1901, transportation services were provided by battery-powered cars that went 12 miles per hour. And they go backwards to come back. In 1912, they replaced that with a monorail. The trip from one building to another is like 45 seconds now. The front seats are reserved for senators and they call the trains by ringing a bell. The subway is the most busy during votes.
1: No. Yes. I I cannot (laughs) believe that they reserve the front seats for senators. That if I were a representative, I would just go sit in those front seats. Do staffers get to use it? Yes. So like then the senator is sitting up in the front and the staffer has to go like sit in the caboose? Yes. (laughs)
0: Did you know there's a designated candy desk in the U.S. Senate?
1: A candy desk?
0: There is a candy desk. It's desk 80, and it is called the candy desk because it is a desk full of candy that's available to any member of the Senate for free.
1: Wait, so then does no
0: one sit at desk 80? Yeah, somebody sits at desk 80 and whoever sits at desk 80 has to keep the candy drawer full and it's always been a republican which makes the democrats mad and they created their own candy desk on their side but it's not as popular so senator george murphy who was elected to congress in 1965 was the one who started the whole candy desk thing and it was just because he like was a candy you know fiend so he just kept it there for himself but then he was like hey Help yourself to any candy. And then he was only in for one term. He didn't get reelected. So they just decided that they would, you know, keep it going. And so when he did it, it was all hard candies and just, I guess he had dry mouth or something. And he was always, you know, a lot of Worther's
1: originals. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But now it's mostly chocolate and it's usually the candy that's from their home state. So like Ohio would put in little Buckeye candy or, you know, it would have some sort of connection to the state that they come from. Candy makers have caught on to this. And so now they donate candy. But the law forbids Senators from receiving more than $100 worth of donations from any one party or organization. However, Mm -hmm. they make an exception for the candy (laughs) as long as everyone can eat it, no matter what party they're in.
1: I love that there is the candy exception. I know,
0: right? I love it as long as you're nonpartisan. There are two fairly well-known senators who have been assigned Desk 80 and have been the candy masters. One was John McClain. And the other one was Rick Santorum. And then the last bit of trivia I have for you is I think the one you'll like the best, which is that for 10 days in 2014, Wikipedia had to ban IPs from Congress. IPs being internet protocol. So people doing stuff from the congressional Wi-Fi. So they had to ban IPs from Congress because of, quote, disruptive editing, end quote
1: what was being edited disruptively
0: all sorts of stuff on wikipedia <laughs> so you were talking about how people have been trolling congress they troll yeah. themselves too it was it was staffers who were like going in and changing stuff that shouldn't be changed possibly um, along party lines
1: one of the edits accused the cuban government of faking the moon landings <laughs> another one named former defense secretary donald rumsfeld as an alien wizard
0: so rachel we've been talking about how congress works i bet there's a really good five for democracy to go along with this
1: as usual you are correct Anne. so for today's five for democracy we're going to ask you to take your five minutes and put the phone numbers for your representative and your senators into your phone and we recommend you put their local office numbers in, but you can do both their district or local office and their D.C. office. It doesn't really matter. And actually, I'm going to do it with you as I have just moved. And so I have a new representative and new senators. All right. So I am going to find my representative first. So I'm going to my search engine and I searched find your U.S. representative. And the first link that comes up for me is find your representative from house.gov so that seems pretty good there's a spot where i can enter my zip code so i'm putting my zip code in and then find your rep by zip and there is my representative right there and you can click on their profile which takes you to their web page and then on that web page they have all of their contact information so i'm going to put my representative's district office in my phone Add number, create new contact. So now I have added her number to my phone and I can just, when I'm in the car, if I have something that I want to talk to her about, because my phone is Bluetooth enabled in my car, I'm not doing anything dangerous. I can tell my car to call my representative and I can just make it really fast and easy.
0: I was totally going to tell you that, that that's my favorite thing to do is that I listen to a podcast like Talk Talk Vote and I hear a story about something that I want to weigh in on and I do most of my listing in the car and then I will just tell my car to call my representative. I like to have the local office number in my phone because I can actually talk to a person usually, which I like. Next, you're going to put your senators
1: in your phone. So back to your search engine, find your senator. And the first link that comes up for me is to Senate.gov. And it gives me a list of all of the senators. And I alphabetize them by state just so they're easier for me to find. And then you'll have two senators. So you'll click on the name of one of your senators and it will take you to their website. Once again, they should have a contact section. From there, you will be able to once again find their office numbers. People often have more than one district location, especially for the Senate, since they're covering a larger space. So you can choose the one that's closest to you. This part is a little bit more labor-intensive because you'll have to do it twice because you have two senators.
0: But we can provide some entering music. Boop 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 from back when everybody had tone phones. Boop 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 boop.
1: Now, for my next senator, I am going back to the page where it has all the senators listed, clicking on the next one, find their contact page.
0: Boop, 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 boop,
1: all right, perfect. So I have all three of my federal representatives' phone numbers entered into my phone. So now it will be much easier for me to contact them when I have something I want to tell them about.
0: That is five minutes well spent.
1: I could not agree more.
0: Thank you, Rachel. You are welcome,
1: Anne. This episode of Talk, Talk, Vote was hosted by Anne Calvert and me, Rachel Thompson.
0: Music by Hanging Chad Studios. Talk, Talk, Vote is a production of ARG Media. Thanks for listening and talk, talk to you later.